Hello. Hello. I am Victoria Johnson. Uh, yes. Welcome to Working Out the Kinks. <laughs> I'm Evelyn Prince. Uh, it's been a hot second um, since we were here staring at each other awkwardly and recording. <laughs> How it always goes. Um, I feel like we begin every podcast with that. I feel like we begin every podcast with if it's been a while and nine times out of ten it's me being like this was my fault. And I once mean, again, I, this time it wasn't necessarily all your fault. Like you had a lot go a lot going on, but I feel like this spring has been kind of bonkers for both of us. So we can accept equal blame here. Can we though? I'm I'm not. You're very patient with me. Let's just let's just put it that way. I mean, you're in grad school, so that's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, I I just finished my first year of my master's program, which is very exciting. And I had grand dreams, as I always do when I'm in school, of like wrapping up the semester and instantly being like, all right, here are all the things I'm going to do. And instead, I just like crashed and didn't do anything for a while and have like slowly been clawing my way back into being a person, which has been it's always a it's always a fun time trying to learn how to be a person again. I mean, but valid. When I was an undergrad, the first, like, week after the year was done was, like, sleeping. So I totally, totally get it. Um, Man, it's been, uh, there's been a lot since we last recorded. Um, I've released four books since then. Three by myself and one with a friend. And then we kind of hinted at it in the last podcast, but I had only just found out I'm, I'm having a baby, and that's a thing. I'm halfway done now, thank God. Halfway done? <laughs> halfway done! I'm 21 weeks. That's, no, it's, it's okay. That's a thing. And I quit my job. That's I know. The, that's the big one. Uh, well, <laughs> because having a baby's not a big one, it's fine. Um... <laughs> The baby will be the big one in like five months, and meanwhile, quitting your job is a big deal. You're a full-time writer now. Yeah, well, it was a it was a culmination of lots of stuff. Um, my so the book that I released in one of the books I released two in February, um, Primal Claim, the book I co-wrote with Trent Evans, it had a significant impact on my income. Um, it got me a lot of new readers. We did it through a small traditional publisher and their emailing list and their marketing on their end got a lot of new readers to my backlist. And so my income from my writing shot up. It was very amazing. So that, and that's the only reason I can, I was able to quit, but it was also getting very difficult to do day job things with a tiny passenger it was not fun I was in a lot of pain very stressed um very tense and not very happy so lots of things happened that culminated in it but I'm let's see it's been a little over a week now it's very very happy um still trying to find my groove of figuring out you know what this looks like for me because some days I sit down at 8 a.m after the toddler goes to school and I'm like I'm gonna write and then other times I knit and that feels also valid (laughs) absolutely valid yeah I'm currently it's not quite the same but being out of school and 
in my program, like summer is meant to be your thesis writing time. You're not in classes, but you're still registered as a student. And so this is me being like, all right, I'm a, I'm a full-time writer this summer. And some days it's great. And then other days I'll hit, you know, 9 p.m. And I'm like, I've written 200 words. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like that's how, how it goes. Some days, some days <laughs> news is just not playing nice. And, you know, you drink coffee and you start your for the words page and nothing happens. And some days the muse wants to knit. <laughs> some days the muse wants to knit. I, okay, to be fair, I have so much yarn in my house that I now am staring at all the time that it needs to not be as much. <laughs> As far, I don't know if this has changed, but the last time we spoke about this, your husband had told you that you weren't allowed to buy more yarn until you'd gotten rid of some of the current yarn. Okay, but did that stop me? No. Oh, okay. Fair. (laughs) But, but, now that I'm not working at the day job, which was at a craft store, I'm not tempted. Surrounded I'm not staring at all the new yarn that I could be getting, and I'm staring at the yarn I already have, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's do something with this. So we're we're making progress. I finished knitting a sweater yesterday because I need one when it's 100 degrees outside. Obviously. <laughs> I swear, you guys, 90% of our Twitter conversations is Victoria sending me pictures of really cute sweaters that she's knitting. Knitted? Knitted? <laughs> what am I doing? It's my brain, you guys. But yeah, it's cute sweaters that she's knitted. And then her talking about how she needs cold weather so she can wear her cute sweaters. Okay, but I mean, unless I'm planning on moving to, you know, the UK where it's cold most of the year, that's not going to happen. And that costs money. That costs money, guys. Um, for the record, the reason I bring up the UK is because my husband is Scottish and he is a UK citizen, so we could move there if we wanted to, but that still requires money. Anywho, um, uh, Evelyn needs to talk about her current project because I'm obsessed with it. Um, oh gosh, this thing, I, before I talk about it, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been so patient with me because I have not released a new book since December. I think I released Fussy in December. And, you know, in traditional publishing, like, what, for five months is nothing. And then in indie publishing, five months feels like a lifetime. Um, But, yeah, no, it's just been, you know, full-time courses, trying to write a thesis, TAing and teaching. It's just been busy. And so, yeah, thank you to everyone who's been patient and like still reading my blog when I managed to post. And people who are still buying my books are amazing. I do need to say that I feel like it's a bit of a scam that graduate school expects you to do your work on your thesis during the summer when you're supposed to be having a break. Feels like a bit of a scam. It's fine. Some people don't. It also depends on your program. Like, some people go back to school in September and write their thesis then. Um, this is this is sort of self-imposed. Like, the first draft by September thing is self-imposed. I mean, I but knowing what I know about, like, your writing process, that doesn't, like, it feels smart. 
because you're giving yourself lots of time where you don't have to like be have your brain be an anxious squirrel about it. It feels like a smart thing to do, but still feels like a bit of a scam. (laughs) (laughs) It's because editing is really hard for me. And so I figured if I have a really messy first draft by September, it gives me eight months to edit um, and get feedback. And editing is my problem is I write a first draft and I'm like, that's it. It's done. I never want to touch it again. Editing is hard. Editing is hard. That's not just a you thing. Um, editing is hard. It's the worst. Uh, that is why, like, I spend so much time on my outlines before I even put words on page because it makes it easier. If I'm at least happy with how the plot and the characters are in my outline, I know the execution of the draft will be okay. And then, you know, maybe I miss a couple of like plot holes or I need to like expand a scene in order to improve characterization, but I don't need to like do like mass rewrites. And that's like what works for me because edits are hard. Oh, editing really garbage. Fucking- yeah, and luckily, I I love writing. I love writing first drafts as hard as it is some days. I feel like I talk a lot about how hard I find writing, and I talk less about how much I love it, which is a pity because, I mean, you don't... I think I've said before, maybe on this podcast, that you don't become a writer by accident. Like, it's not a career. It's so hard to make it as a career. It's not something you just, like, stumble into. Like, you get into it because you love it. Absolutely. And it's not, yeah. That's not one of those things that you're like, ooh, I'm a little bit good at this. Maybe I'll make a job out of it. I was telling, talking to my husband the other day about my mother-in-law, and I feel like that's how she fell into her career because – um, we were talking about how some people don't have like life aspirations and that's okay. You know, sometimes you just want to, you know, have a job that pays the bills and support your family and that's okay. Like that is a totally acceptable goal for your life is to be able to get by, have enough money to go on a vacation every now and then and support your family and just exist with people you care about. That's like a good life goal. Um, And some people have like big life aspirations, like this is a career I want to do, or this is, you know, a thing I want to achieve. And that's also acceptable. But I was like, I feel like that's how my mother-in-law fell into her particular industry was she just found something she was good at. And she found a job that she's able to do that one thing she's good at. And writing is not like that. Writing's not a thing where you're like, oh, I'm kind of good at this. I think I'll write a book. Writing a book is fucking hard. It's so hard. And then, like, publishing and being able to keep, especially in indie publishing, where, you know, you have to keep going until you have something that resembles a career. Um, yeah, it's, but I do love it. You know, I love the work. Like, the dream is to be a full-time writer. Like, that's. And you're going to do it next year. Hopefully. Well, the dream right now is full-time writer slash university professor because I think I enjoy teaching and I think I make a sexy professor so you know that's how you choose your careers right is where can I be sexy and and do something I love okay but that's like my entire the the whole like premise of the middle of my current book so don't say that because otherwise you're gonna ruin it Anyway, so I'll talk about that in a hot second. Um, your current book. Go. My current book is 
another werewolf age playbook um, because I loved writing the first one so much. Um, the Elsa and his puppy was so much fun to write. I had such a positive response to it. Um, people rarely seem to respond to it, and I couldn't help myself writing a second one. It's less age play heavy and more like daddy kink vibes. It hits different than the first one, but it's been a lot of fun to write, and it's hitting more like it's it's more like a romance novel with a lot of smut than like straight up erotica, which is new for me. And a little bit scary, and I'm really hoping people will enjoy it when it's finally out. Hopefully soon, I'm trying. <laughs> Romance novel with a shitload of smut is my entire brand. Um, I can tell you it works. There's a lot of readers out there who dig it. Um, I've read what she has of this, uh, lovely listeners. It's so fucking good. It's like, I, I was reading it, I was giving her live reactions, and I was sitting there, and I was like, so werewolf literary porn is what this is, and I need more of it. <laughs> but maybe that will just become my whole genre. Like I'm, I, I'm okay with that. I, I I had a thing for werewolves since I was like, I don't know, like twelve years old. And if I could build a career writing literary werewolf smut, like yeah, well, I'd do it. We're of the age that was. Um, in horny teenageness when Teen Wolf the TV show came out and I feel like that's where that came from. For me it was earlier. I was I was a bit older already when Teen Wolf was airing the TV show. Um uh, though that was very formative. I'm like 15, 14 and you were what, you know, 16, 17, something like that. Um but for me, the werewolf thing was uh, Harry Potter fan fiction. I stumbled upon, like, dirty Harry Potter werewolf fan fiction, and yeah, I have never been the same since. <laughs> that is where I discovered my love of smut. Um, it wasn't necessarily about werewolves, but that's where I was like, wait a minute, you can write sex into things? Amazing. Yep. So that's. And now look at where you are. Full time, full time smut writer. Full time smut writer. Um, husband, when we eventually build a house on a mountain, because that's the goal of our like 30s and 40s, is the, you know, like the retirement has to be a pretty house on a mountain somewhere. Um, he wants me to have a plaque in Latin that says the house that sex built. And it has to be in Latin because he's Catholic and he's like, yes, that's appropriate. And I'm like, but is it? Catholics love their Latin. Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anywho, um, her book is super good, guys. Like I've reread the draft that she sent me like four times. I shit you not. Like start to finish. Four times. I'm all about it. It's so, so good. And there's, like, pining. And, like, scent marking. I'm so about it. <laughs> right? So good. This is my first time writing pining, which is fun. Um, Because usually I'm like, well, people are here for erotica. Get to the sex. Get to the sex. Um, ah. And I'm not stressing myself out this book. I'm just letting myself, like, 
write what the story wants to be, and it's it's really fun. I'm very fond of it. I'm very fond of it. But one thing you said that I thought was so funny is that you're like, this book is so indulgent. I'm like, but isn't all writing supposed to be indulgent? Isn't it's, it, though? Yes and no. It's self-indulgent in that when I started writing this back in, I think I started it in January. It's been a slow process, but I was feeling very delicate, and I wanted, like, my comfort story and I'm not always writing comfort stories like sometimes I'm like let's write something that makes me uncomfortable let's write something that like presses different buttons and so this is this is indulgent in that I wanted my like hurt comfort romance novel and that's what I wrote (laughs) yeah no like it's it's so good I absolutely love it um Cannot wait to see where it goes because you don't know where it's going either. <laughs> so. No idea. <laughs> we'll find out. I, I like discovering it along with the characters. I we had a we had an almost argument, listeners, the other week where it was like, um, where she was like, I don't know where it's going. I'm like, this is why I outline, and she's like, but then the story's already told. I'm like, outlines can change, Evelyn. Yeah, so we had an we had an argument because Evelyn thinks that when you write an outline you can't change things. I was joking. I know you can change things. It just for me, I found every time I've outlined my stories become super flat. And I don't I don't feel that room for like surprise. Whereas I'm fair, you know I just like to tease. <laughs> it's one well, thing to tell you that outlines can't change it's one thing to tell everyone else that I believe that outlines cannot change well now everyone else can poke fun of you too and it can make you all blushy and that's always fun you're a terrible person <laughs> you like me it's fine this is why we're friends that's true let's see okay I I already made you talk about your book well, I think you should talk about your project, because yeah. I've been reading bits of it, and it's super sexy. And well, I actually think it leads pretty well into our conversation of the day, too. Um, My current book is an office romance with a heavy secretary vibe. Uh, yes, the movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal that was formative for me, personally. Um. <laughs> Got lots of those vibes because last summer, so when I started writing my diary books, I wrote Bimbo first because that was what I wanted to write. And the next one was Toy, which is an office romance. And people are like, ooh, this is good. When's a full one? And I'm like, I don't know, sometime. One day. (laughs) One day. And I was hoping to be able to get to it this winter because I've had a cover for it since last summer that's how that works I make covers for books that just don't get written and so I finally sat down and wrote an outline in my last like week and a half at the day job and I started working on it um it's it's fun I'm really enjoying it it's it's got um some enemies to lovers vibes going on but like also like I'm gonna use my sexuality to make you 
forget that you're the one in charge here. It's got a lot of those vibes here too. And I didn't expect that because like my characters hate each other so much. (laughs) Well, okay. She hates him. He just likes poking fun at her because he likes seeing how it riles her up. But she just, she hates him. He got the job she wanted and now she's working under him as like a sex kitten and she hates it. But her whole thing is like, well, you know what? If I'm going to fucking do this, I'm going to make you forget that you're in charge. It doesn't work out, but that's what's going on in her mind. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, like, actual, like, hate-fucking vibes, and we're not going there. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. It's it's such a fun read. It's calling it an office. Like, it is an office romance, but I feel like calling it an office romance does not fully capture, like, just how filthy and sexy this book is. Like, it just... It's really it's so funny. much fun. And it's funny. Like I was I was laughing as I was reading it and like messaging Victoria with all the lines that made me because they're just so snarky. They're so snarky and so angry and it's it's so much fun. I so appreciate hearing you say that. Like because I always think I'm really funny <laughs> when I'm writing. <laughs> and often I'm like, you never know if it lands, you know? Because yeah. once you put a book out into the world, it's out there. You don't know how people are interacting with your um, work or any of that. Apologies. <sighs> and so, like, that made me so happy to hear that you also think it's really funny. Because I think it's hysterical how much they hate each other. <laughs> it, it is funny. Um Humor is hard to write. I feel like writing good comedy slash humor is possibly one of the hardest genres out there to write. Like, it's totally agreed. Like, mad props to comedians and, like, good rom-com writers. Not, like, bad rom-coms. Um, like, First Wives Club. You know, that's, like, what comes to my mind is, like, a really good rom-com that's actually funny. Because, um, yeah, humor is hard. Humor is hard. It's especially like sustained humor. I'm good at like one line. I think I'm good at one liners or like some a quick snarky conversation as part of something in another genre. But when you're writing and you're like, all right, this is this is a comedy. This is something that's going to be have, you know, moments of quiet, moments of tenderness, possibly, but is meant to be funny from start to finish. Yeah, I can't, I can't sustain it, and I so, yeah. I so admire people who write comedy. Absolutely, same. Um, I think that leads really well into what we're talking about today. After our very long introduction, <laughs> we always, you know what, guys, we always have these grand aspirations of like, we'll just Wait, chat a little bit, update people. And and then it goes on for 20 minutes. That's okay. I, you know what? I think other people think we're funny too. So it's at least enjoyable. And at least we're not going on for 45 minutes like some podcasts I listen to. Like, that's just a lot. <laughs> uh, we're talking tropes, um, which is why I thought it would be kind of fun for us both to talk about our projects because they're both so tropey. 
um, yes. and filled of things that we like. Like you've got, you've got only one bed, Evelyn. You've got only one bed. Come on. That that's because only one bed is such a good trope. It is. <laughs> it is. Do no. There there are there are two beds. He just doesn't it's, let her sleep in hers. Spiritual. The spiritual only one bed. <laughs> I, I have um, such a thing for that, like, we are in the same bed, but we can't, we're not touching each other, we're, we're, and then you have, like, the intimacy, oh, it's so good, I love so, only one bed. Here's the thing, that's my favorite scene that you've written in that book so far, it's my favorite, like, I'm about it, I am so here for it, it's one of my favorite tropes, too, is, like, forced proximity, only one bed, I'm sharing your space only because I'm obligated to. I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to make this a two-parter because we have clearly lots of things to say about fun tropes that we like. And then the next part will be tropes we're not huge fans of. Although I'm not sure that will end up being as long of an episode because I really can't think of very many that I don't like in some way or another, you know? For me, it's very context-based. Like, I feel like just about every trope can be bad or good, depending on the hands that write it. But I do have strong opinions about certain tropes and why I don't generally like them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my feelings on tropes I do like are way less thoughtful and more just like, oh, they make me happy. You know, okay, but here's the thing is I feel like people, people get mad at tropes and they use tropey like an insult. And you see that in like bad reviews, like this was only tropes or I hate this trope. And it's like, well, first of all, you didn't have to read it. Second of all, people like tropes. It tells them exactly what they're going in and getting. And some people shop based on tropes alone, like, um, arranged marriage. I'm here for it. You give me a smutty arranged marriage book. Um, I recently read one electric idol by Katie Robert. That was the whole book was forced proximity and arranged marriage for reasons. And it was great. (laughs) And you know, then it had like the Greek gods thing going on as well. And that's also very fun. And that's like a fun trope, but I was here more for what the characters were doing rather than who the characters were. Um, so I think people who don't like tropes are just sad people who want books to be sad. They're the same people that are like, romance novels don't need a happily ever after. It's like, then go read a literary novel or a horror book. Like, come on, let us be happy. Um, I feel like when people say I don't like tropes, what they mean is that they don't like tropes used in a certain way, tropes used in a certain context, because I'm sort of like everything has tropes, you know? Like, I mean, I spend way too much time on TV tropes. I I admit I'm that person. Then, like, just about everything has a page on there, because at this point, we've been telling stories for so long that at this point, like, is it possible to tell a story that is 100% original never been done before like I don't think it is like even 
you know, in school this semester, I wrote a story which was one of the most unique things I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And still underneath it, I'm like, oh, it's about, you know, a girl trying to connect with her father. It's about grief. It's about mourning. I mean, like, there's a very unique concept around it, but... Tropes are not unique, and stories are not unique. Um, There is nothing original under the sun. Like, I think people who... you. I've seen this on Twitter a lot lately, actually. People, you know, articles being published about books that are releasing, where it's like she couldn't find the kind of romance book she wanted, so she wrote one. And I've seen literally, like, four of those articles about four different books within the last month. And I'm sitting here, like, if you're not finding it, you're not looking in the right place. Because, especially in indie publishing, um... There's so much of stuff that traditional publishing doesn't consider quote unquote marketable. And I feel like that's where a lot of those articles and those perceptions come from is, well, this wasn't marketable. Well, it's marketable. You're just not looking in the right place because there is a reader for every book. I mean, you wrote an age play werewolf book and it was your most successful book last year. So there's a reader for every book and sometimes a lot more than we think. So that's, I I love tropes. I am here for tropes and like soap opera drama and all this nonsense. Uh, I recently watched The Lost City, the movie with Sandra Bullock, and it made me so happy. My husband was like, why do you like this? I'm like, because it's great. <laughs> and it's all tropes. It's all like stupid romance tropes and it knew how stupid and like silly it was. And that's what made it so much fun. Um, so I, I love tropes. I, I look for tropes. I love the lists of people describing their books by trope. Those make me happy. Um, I really love tropes too. I, I watched Velocity City on your recommendation and I think it hits so well because it knows it knows that it's a tropey adventure romance. Like, it knows that. Um, the weatherman I do. was favorite in the whole movie. <laughs> Why are you so handsome? My dad was a weatherman. <laughs> it was a good time. Um, I do want to go back really briefly to what you said about those articles about, you know, she couldn't find the romance novel she was looking for, so she wrote one. Um... Because I do agree there's, you know, you can dig and find things. I find those articles a bit more, the ones I've read at least, are a bit more about, like, marginalized communities. And, I mean, I will say it, like, romance as a genre, it's changing, but romance as a genre is really white. Like, it's extremely white, and I think trying, it's changing now slowly but i think that you know if you're trying to find i don't know a romance novel with a muslim protagonist a black protagonist it's harder and so i think that's where i read those articles is coming from is like oh i'm a member of a marginalized community um where are these romance novels i have seen some of those and those where it's like No, there's actually legitimately not a lot of interracial Muslim, Jewish, et cetera, et cetera, especially like in sci-fi fantasy, in um, young adults gotten much better. Um, I find that 
when you follow like traditional publishing trends, because we keep in mind that independent publishing didn't exist as it is 10 years ago. You know, this is very much a development of the internet and of technology in the last 10 years. And, you know, taking that into account that prior to 2013, 2014, there was no option for people to get their stories out in the world if a traditional publisher wouldn't take their story on, which sucks, you know. Um, And since then, I do think that we've seen a lot of, particularly in young adult and romance, I find them to be the most progressive genres, personally, um, more types of stories. Um, the particular story that irked me <laughs> that I saw, and this was literally just yesterday, was someone being like, I couldn't find a romance book that was like high minded. I couldn't find a romance book that was like literary and blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. I'll yell about that. That was, it was very, it was very, my writing is not like other writing. I couldn't find a publisher to take it on. So I started my own publisher. And for the record, guys, I don't know the name of this author. I just saw like, half a screenshot of the article and it pissed me off. It made me so mad. Um, and it was the woman started a vanity press where it's like, "Mm, we'll publish it, but you're responsible for all the cost of it. That's not, no. So it just, and someone commented, was like, yeah, I read this book. I can tell you why traditional publishers wouldn't take it. Amazing. I've seen a lot of those lately where it's like people who are very privileged, very like cisgender or white or whatever, being like, I can find someone to publish my book or my book is so different. And it's like, like if we're talking like marginalized authors releasing things, I see that a lot in um, young adult books, which is fantastic. I see so many diverse young adult novels being published and like, I'm not really a, a young adult reader anymore. I've kind of outgrown it. But I'm so happy to see the diversification of it, and especially here in, like, adult fiction and romance and sci-fi fantasy. I think it's fantastic. But when a cisgender white person is talking about how she wrote the next new thing, and it's completely different, and it's by a... Like, no. (laughs) We have decades of stuff just like this, and... I will say this. Don't trash other people's books to try to make your book look better. It's a bad Oh, right? It's like, but I'm not like other girls of books. Yeah, it's it's a bad book. It pisses me off. Yeah, okay. Sorry to get us off topic there. I just wanted to touch on Sorry, we're getting off topic. We will talk about tropes one day, guys. (laughs) Um... Relevant because people are like it was the whole thing. People talk down about tropes. No, tropes are great. People shop by trope. I shop by trope. I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, now we can talk about the ones we like. I'm I'm sorry. That was just my tiny rant about people shit talking, especially romance because romance is tropey almost by definition. Um, people shit talk romance as a genre because it's tropey and that bothers me let us be happy damn it but yeah so. yeah i spend so i read I've, I've spoken about it before i spoke about it today yeah i read i read a lot of fan fiction i will admit it unabashedly but the thing i love is that archive of our own the like big fan fiction archive has so many tags and most of those tags are tropes 
And so I can go on to Archive of Our Own and be like, I want to read about the Avengers, and I want to read about a fake relationship and undercover adventures. And I can just, like, sort by tag, which is sorting by trope a lot of the time. And I so wish that major retailers had something similar. Uh, so good. So wish that major retailers had something similar because I feel like, first of all, I feel like it would reduce a lot of the like bad reviews where it's like, I wasn't expecting this. Right. Because you can also say, I don't want to talk about like, if it has this, but it also has this, I don't want it. Like our our sorting system is top tier. Um, and I so wish that major retailers had something similar to that because it would make things so much easier for us as readers to be able to say, I really like arranged marriage, but I don't like babies. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I tiny gripe about sorting systems, but I also, I also know that archive of our own was developed by readers for readers and that's why it's got stuff like that that's so user and reader friendly um and major retailers are not (laughs) it's true um what is one of your favorite tropes oh god okay (laughs) this is why i said one of (laughs) (laughs) um i was actually doing research on twitter guys this is my job Researching, like, what tropes are, what people like on Twitter, this is part of my job now. It's great. Um, One of them, okay, so I will, like, give a tiny hint of a trope I hate. Um, And I've seen it executed well in books that I enjoyed, but in general, it just pisses me off. (laughs) Because I do not appreciate this in my real life relationships. I hate the miscommunication trope. I hate it. I'm not a fan it's annoying and frustrating and I, it makes me want to throw my Kindle <laughs> at the wall because it's like, you know, if you had sat down and had a five minute conversation, it would fix things. Um, so that really, really annoys me. Um, I love excessive communication. And I think I told you about this when I saw someone being like, Sure, the miscommunication trope is great, but have you ever had the trope where it's like, no, I'm going to tell you everything on my mind, and that's where the tension comes from? Because if you're sitting there next to someone, and you know that they're thinking about you naked, see, that's just hot. That's just fun. Because then you're like, ooh, do I like that? Is is this, like, kind of getting an exhibitionist streak in me? I don't know. And for the record, friends, um, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> how my marriage began. <laughs> amazing even your marriage is tropey well he my husband when he first liked me he was like well I have to tell her because I feel like I'm lying and at the time I didn't reciprocate feelings so he was like I like you I have feelings for you I'm like oh that's great (laughs) that's nice thank you (laughs) no basically that's exactly why I'm like thank you for telling me I really appreciate that I don't feel the same way but thank you for telling me and then we went back to watching our movie. <laughs> Adorable. That's so cute. And then, and then, to run away from his feelings, he moved to Europe for four months. He would. He would. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, my marriage is a trope. 
Uh, your your whole relationship. Um, no, I love I that you mentioned communication because yeah. I tweeted like just the other day a line I wrote where it was it's from my current werewolf project where it's like she's gonna go grab Shane and drag him back and make him have a conversation and I was like this is I felt very proud of that like yeah I'm gonna make you talk about shit like yes. we're gonna talk about this. Oh my gosh yes I love well. One thing I really love about what you're doing, the way you're executing that particular um, relationship in your book, is like there's lies. There's like lies. She's lying to him. She's fibbing about her history. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen when he finds out? Is he going to spank her? Is he going to be really mad? Like, is there going to be some angst? I don't know. And I, I am really, really loving the way that you're doing that because – all I want is for them to sit and have a conversation because I feel like he'd be really understanding, but she doesn't think that. <laughs> no. But it's I, not, I enjoy lying much more than miscommunication. Yeah, it's not miscommunication because she's just straight up lying. She's just straight up lying to him. Yeah, it's miscommunication can be fun for me but it all if like your whole if a whole plot hinges on miscommunication it's annoying and it's done more for angst than fun it's annoying to me Mm -hmm. but i i can like it it just depends on how it's handled um yeah like when the whole plot is the miscommunication trope it just makes me mad because it's like, yeah. just have a fucking conversation. Like, really? You're not going to discuss this thing that's bothering you because you... F- <clears throat> yeah, it, it makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, for me, it depends a lot on the reasons for the mis- miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I recently binge-watched the second season of Bridgerton. And that, it, it's such a trope. I haven't read the books. I don't feel like the books would work for me for a variety of reasons. I love the show because it's like, it's a tropey historical romance. And in the second season, like, you know, Anthony's in love with Kate, but he does not tell her because he's meant to be courting her younger sister. And I'm like, you know what? That kind of miscommunication like that, if he has a reason. Okay, let's go. Okay. That's the fun of it. That's the point of it. To me, okay, so to me, I will say, I haven't seen Bridgerton yet. It's on my list now that I have time to, you know, enjoy things. Um, <laughs> now that I have time to enjoy things, I've got yeah, a Isn't list capitalism of, just a hellhole? <laughs> Don't we live in, like, the worst timeline? Sometimes. Um, but I've got a list of, like, shows and stuff that I want to watch, and Bridgerton's on it um, because I've heard it's great. Especially if you like romance books, uh, especially historical. Um, I like historical romance. I haven't read one in a very long time, but I do like historical romance. So I need to, maybe I'll go and buy some now that I have time to read and do things that I like. Um, but it's on my list. And to me, what you just described sounds more like pining. And I am. Oh, here. there's so much pining. Oh, I'm so much pining. It is okay. So I love excessive communication and the way that ratchets up tension. I love pining. I love pining. It's one of my very, very top tier like tropes because, and I did it a little bit in my sci-fi book, my dystopian sci-fi book. There was like, because that first book is like, there's one sex scene, guys. There's only one. 
and it's at the end. <laughs> like it's 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 barely erotica. It's barely erotic romance because like there's med fetish and all of that sort of stuff. But it's barely erotica. It's got lactation kink and like, you know, lots of like Dom vibes, but there's only one sex scene. There's literally only one. So that book is like pining. And like I shouldn't want you, but I do. And it's yes. Um also another one, speaking of that, which kind of I love bodyguard romances. I think they're so fun. Oh, um, yep, yep, so much fun. It leans into like forced proximity. I guess that we're I guess we're going into the how much I like forced proximity vibes. <laughs> because it's fun. Bed sharing and like I can't want you, but I have to spend all this time with you, and it makes it really hard to ignore you, you know? It's, I'm about it. I really love post-proximity in fake relationships. Um, I have such a thing for fake relationships, whether it's like, oh, my sister's getting married, and if I don't show up with a date to her wedding, like, my aunts are going to ask me who I'm dating, so will you be my date to this wedding? Um, I love that. I love it in like when I'm reading Avengers fan fiction when it's like, oh, Steve and Tony have to go undercover for this mission and for reasons they have to pretend to be newlyweds. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm so about it. And we have to share the bed because what if our neighbors look in through the window and then they know? I'm so, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's such trash and it's the best. How I dare know. you? That is high literature. <laughs> So it's actually funny because um, I have a outline that I started working on. I got like 10 chapters in and then I was like, oh, I'll come back to this later. And I never did. Um, but it's I just titled it fake dating because it's all that I want to write a fake dating book so badly. I think the execution and the premise on that particular book, um, I, I think I need to tweak it. And that's why I haven't gone back to it. But it's brother's best friend and fake dating and there is a wedding. <laughs> See, weddings. I love weddings. Um, there's a whole Nora Roberts series, The Bride Quartet, that's all about like women running a wedding business, and it's the best. I I don't know why. I need to go dig those books out of the box because I love them. Um, and those are tropey. So tropey. Um, cause there's like brother's best friend and there's, you know, the mechanic romance and all these sorts of things. Like it's so good. Um, I love occupation romances. It doesn't matter what the occupation is. I'm here for it. Office romance, mechanics, like celebrity romance can work. Um, I haven't read many of those that like hit a really good vibe with me. I want to write a porn star romance. I really want to write one. Please. Amazing. Do it. When I was, when I was younger, cause I also am a huge fan of fan fiction. I have not read a lot of fan fiction lately, but I am a big fan. Um, I read a porn star teen wolf romance that was obviously very gay. And I don't remember the name of it. Every time I've tried to go and look for it again, I just can't find it. Um, so all I can like remember are vibes. <laughs> but I want, I want to write one. I want to write a porn star romance. And I was like, is that a trope people would like? Or is that something I'm just writing for me and Evelyn? Because obviously I'm sending that over to you right away. <laughs> obviously. 
Um, yeah, that... I will admit, I read for romance. I tend to read a lot more fanfiction for romance than I do, like, traditionally published romances, because I'm... I'm really fussy about romance. I'm really fussy about reading in general, and I'm not... I'm not saying this is like a snobby thing. I just spend amount of time I'll get out like a pile of books from the library and just not vibe with so many of them. And I don't know why. Um, I've been getting more romances out. This is like my summer of <laughs> it's it's my jewel summer where like on one side I'm reading books that are meant to inspire and help with my thesis, so like a lot of like literary heavy fiction. Um and then I'm like I also just want to read a bunch of romances so i've got an emily henry's book um the people you meet on vacation i have that one i want to read um i love to be treated by her that was fun you'd probably like it it's not sexy but it's really fun but um yeah i tend to read a lot more fan fiction and fan fiction like hits tropes in a really good way it's like because so much of the media that people are writing fan fictions about, it's not tropey, but yeah. we want tropes. And that's why, like, people who shit on tropes bother the crap out of me, because it's like people like these and they write them for a reason. They make us happy. Like, if you want sad fiction, go somewhere else, please. Like, angst is fine, but I don't like too much angst in my trope. Mm. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I guess that we're just sitting here talking about all the things I like in books because because <laughs> that's what that's what trope conversations are. It's I love this thing for for reasons. Um. Oh, I saw someone when I was doing my research this morning. I saw someone tweet being like, "Uh, secret dating is great, but." being in the same room together while secretly dating and stealing touches and like glances across the room. I'm like, yes, I love everything about it. And that's like, so you like pining. You, you like, you like pining. I'm a fan of pining. We just had to take a brief break uh, to just have a small discussion with my spouse, and neither Evelyn and I can remember exactly what we were talking about. Um. <laughs> I will say that I have discovered that Victoria's whole marriage is just a trope. It's just trope after trope. It's delightful. Um, I don't know. What are what are some tropes you really like? I know we've been talking a lot about ones that I like. Are there any that you're a big fan of? I know I know the ones that you're not a fan of, but we'll talk about those in the next podcast. Yes. Um I've been I've been trying to think about that. Like a lot of the ones I love have come up in this conversation. I okay. I really, really love like homecoming stories um in so many situations but for romance novels i have okay, a thing as, hold on as in coming home not as in like prom yes Re- as in returning home you say homecoming i'm like ooh, that sounds that sounds high schooly and that gets this quick factor with me because that's okay a- no no, 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 no. i forget that's a thing with americans 
it's, it's it's that's a cultural specification that I would just like to make. She means coming home after having left your home. <laughs> yes. Not prom. <laughs> yeah. I don't write erotic stories about high schoolers because high school is not sexy. No, it's not. Uh-uh. Not about um, it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, like returning home stories. I have such a thing for like girl leaves small hometown where like something bad happens, something wrong to her. She's like, I'm never returning here. And she leaves and like makes a life for herself and then has to come back and has like a romance with someone there. I have one I want to write, but I haven't found like the right vibes for it. Um, I'm such a sucker for like returning home and you're different and the world around you is different. And I also have a really big thing. You mentioned celebrity romance earlier. I have a really big thing for like celebrity with quote unquote normal person. I think they're very comforting. And I mean, I like projecting onto things. I like romances that are like. This person loves you even when you're, like, sick and wearing your glasses and you haven't showered for three days and you're just kind of gross. And I like the elevation that, like, this sort of flawless, untouchable cover model celebrity brings to that. I don't know. I feel like I'm always going to be that little bit of... I think that can be kind of fun to do with, like, the social media influencer vibe, too. The person that like projects like the whole perfect hair, perfect skin, perfect life, and you see what a trash fire they are behind it. That's fun. I, yeah. I that's really really fun. Um, I yeah I okay that's like it's not really a trope. I feel like that's a whole sub subgenre of like seeing the mess behind the projected image. Um. I, like but I also love I love it as like this, you know, perfect person has a human side, but I I'm using perfect in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, I think on a bigger scale, I think celebrity culture is fucked, but um that's a different rant, if not for our romance novel podcast. <laughs> um I also really love it when I'm reading a romance of like I have such a thing for like celebrity flawless person doesn't pick the other flawless person that makes sense for them but picks like a quote-unquote normal person because i project so hard onto the normal person yes oh my god that one's always fun um that reminds me of princess diaries 2 with anne hathaway oh those movies i love them i love those movies oh. <laughs> that second one with chris pine though or no is it Chris Pine? No. Um, I think it's... Is it Chris Pine? I think it's Chris Pine. Hold on. Google. Google to the rescue. I think it is. Um, yeah, that... I'm very fond of the first one, but that second one hits... It is Chris it, Pine. Yes. It is. Baby Chris uh, Pine. He's a good face. He has a very good face. And, like, the archery scene where they're, like, together and he's touching her hand. Ugh, yes. Um, that kind of leans into a little scene snippet that can be, that's so fun when it works. Um, I love when, like, the stolen moment 
I love the stolen moment. I think it's so fun, especially in erotic romance or erotica, because I think it's so fun to be like, ooh, you're walking out of the room. I'm going to like shove you into the corner and just finger you really quick. It's fine. I'm going to talk about how white your pussy is. Like, and then she has to walk back and be normal. Right. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's so good. That's, I, and like, I've used that. I use that in Dear Just Freedom, which is like the second of my sci-fi duet. Um, cause there's a whole chapter in a closet while they're trying to get away from the bad guys. There's a whole thing. Amazing. Um, wow. I'm like just, I'm starting to realize exactly like how tropey my books are. I'm here for it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, yeah, mine are leaning into tropes more as I move more towards like writing romance, mm-hmm. erotic romance rather than like straight up erotica. I'm leaning more into tropes. And I will say, I just want to mention one more. That I have such, I don't know, is it a trope? Is it a genre? But like the hurt comfort thing. Oh, with, yeah. Like this person has been hurt. They don't trust any, like you see it, you've seen it in my werewolf book that I'm currently working on of like that. I don't trust anyone. I've been hurt by people. And this person is going to step in and be everything I need in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like that slow rebuilding of trust. It's, I feel I like, love it. like it's just a vibe. Yeah. It's such just a vibe. vibe. And I, yeah, I, it, I do think it's a trope. Um, her comfort is totally a trope. And I do, I, I enjoy it when it's executed well. If it's, just angst and hurt comfort like I need to be in the right mindset for that because if there's not like fluffy feelings of some kind to kind of like mellow out the sad mm. I, I just get sad and I don't want to be sad for me it depends on the mood but if it's got a really satisfying like working its way out of that like 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 and I'm just gonna talk about it more because I love it like what you're doing with your book it's so it's so excellent because there's like, there's the pining and the snarkiness, but then we, in like these chapter interstitials, we see why she's so reluctant and so, um, prickly. Pr- yeah. Prickly. Ooh, that's a good word. That's a yeah. good word. Yeah. Why she's so prickly and resistant. Like I, it's good. It's really, really good because I think you're balancing that really well. If you like leaned into the angst and the why of the angst, and I know you're planning on adding more, which I think will be really good for character development, it could very easily get really sad and like really, really hard to deal with because you're dealing with some like tough topics, you know. Uh, That's the thing is that it's. I, I I don't mind saying it in in this book. She's running away from a abusive relationship. Um. And that's the thing is, right, I don't want to write a story about an abusive relationship. I don't want to write a story about, it's it's not a realistic story about that recovery, right? It's the fantasy version. It's not, I wondered, I, I've been careful, I haven't wanted to make it exploitative, but like, I also came in and I was like, this is not the realism of it. This is the fantasy romance of it, of like, Leaving this and moving into something better, nicer, more comforting. Mm. And well, I think that's why it's not sad, is because it's not about, yeah, the realistic 
parts of that. It's the romance version. And it could be. Like, that's what I think you're doing really well, is it could be so sad. And I think that in the hands of a different author, they may have leaned more into that, like the sad and the recovery and all those things, which is still a good story. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. It's just not the kind of vibes that I want in my romance books. Um, that kind of actually, I, I do just want to say really quick, um, that kind of leads me into this whole conversation that's happening on different social medias right now about tropes and content warnings um, and how they quote unquote ruin a book. I No, no I completely disagree um, because sometimes you don't know where your reader's at. And sometimes when you have heavy topics, um, like it, you don't want people going in blind. I think that, you run the real risk of hurting a career, a potential career and hurting your reader base who have come to trust you as an author. Mm. Um, and doing incomplete content warning lists is even worse because if you're like deliberately hiding, like the most triggering or traumatizing thing to me, that tells me, you know what the point of a, content warning list is and you're choosing to disrespect people by not including those things yeah yeah it absolutely does i yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of content warnings i find people have noticed in my content warnings i call them warning slash enticements because i feel like with erotica especially darker erotica like you and i tend to write yeah someone else's you know, squick or trigger is someone else's like, oh my god, that's my kink. It's a shopping list. Yeah, it's your shopping list, exactly. It's a shopping list. That's I I saw someone put it that way on TikTok and I love it. Like some one person's content warning is another person's shopping list. Yeah. And so I'm a big fan of always including like and obviously with how prudish retailers are um, we can't include everything because then we'll get our books banned and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but there is always room to at least list the most triggering things in your book or in our cases, the things that are definitely expected. And I feel like sometimes, um, like the summary of a book can do that too. Like, um, you know, I, I've been thinking about for this book, like how do I want to deal with it? Cause like the abusive relationship is not the focus of it, but it's part of it. But I feel like just having that in a summary, she's, you know, running away from an abusive relationship. People know, people know that's part yeah. of it. And I feel like it's just that information right like it's knowing what you're getting into and that doesn't mean you have to know exactly how the story goes but it's like what kind of story is this what can I reasonably expect mm -hmm. yeah. one thing I will one thing I will say that I just think like it makes me roll my eyes it makes me roll my eyes so hard when you list something in a content warning list and then someone leaves a review that was like, this was in this book, and I don't like this. Oh, like, God, no. Like, that's on you. That's on you, friend. I ha recently had someone leave a review on one of my books that was like, 
I'm not a fan of orgasm denial, and this was the second Victoria Johnson book that I read. That's so your whole brand. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, so you read one of my books. And I list orgasm denial in every single content warning list, because yeah. I know it's not some people's thing, but it's really, really my thing. Yeah. And every single warning. I cannot think of one single book that I have written thus far that does not have a orgasm denial in it in some way shape or form like control of her body and dangerous freedom have medically induced orgasm denial and i'm actually going to be writing another book with something similar i'll tell you about it later um but like you read a book of mine that has this listed in the content warning and you willingly entered into book number two knowing this about my writing style and you're mad about it what <laughs> i i feel like it's I, it bothers me so much when people read something that is clearly tagged or warned for and then complains about that i'm like that's we have reasonable expectations of each other i think it's fair for readers to have reasonable expectations of authors but i think as authors we're allowed to have reasonable expectations of our reader but if i'm writing something and i'm like this has age play and daddy king don't come into my this hasn't happened luckily but don't come into my reviews and be like she calls her boyfriend daddy and I don't like it. I'm like, that's, that's what I, that's what I write and I warn for it. Yeah. And not only that, especially, um, people like you and I who have been writing for a little while, we have bases of readers kind of in different parts of the internet. Um, you know, we obviously have our book readers on Amazon and other, uh, on, and other platforms, but we also have our blog readers where we explore a little bit of things that are not necessarily as commercial. Um, yes. So, like, yeah. we have the two different kind of bases of readers, and I think that I I think that once you've built a brand of sorts for yourself, and you're starting to niche down in the kind of content that you write, like, I think it's safe to say that your brand is a lot of age play, a lot of you know, daddy kink, a lot of ABDL, those sorts of things, and my brand's orgasm denial it's orgasm denial yeah i mean honestly i'm not sure and like pining and slow burns like that's kind of my vibe because that's what i like to read Mm -hmm. um and a lot of kink and i think that a lot of kink can be expected with both of our books but if you walk into one of our books and don't expect kind of the overall things that we've established as general tenants of our brand that's on you friends I feel like there's a balance. That's what our content list is for, right? Because yeah. I'm like, you know what? If you're a first-time reader and you haven't read my blog, you haven't read my other books, um, you don't know what to expect from me. But that's why in every book I have, like, here is what you can expect. You, in this book, you can expect daddy kink. You can expect BDSM. You can expect spankings. Yeah, that's what our public trigger warning lists or content warning lists are for. It's not... And the people that think that it ruins the book just bug me. Oh, yeah. Bugs the crap out of me because it doesn't. If you're a good writer, just informing people that, hey, this is in here just in case that's particular, that may be triggering or upsetting to you. Like, for instance, like it's not a romance trope, but like parent death or animal You know, those sorts of things can be very upsetting to people. And it's fair to warn people what may be in a book before they choose to trust you with their money and trust you with their time. Um, 
Yeah, it just, it bugs me. Content warning lists exist for a reason, and I am a fan. I think everyone should use them. And the thing is, about people complaining that they ruin the book, is that it's an option not to read them. Yeah. You know, at once, okay, I wish actually I could do this with my books. It's not possible because platforms. I was reading fan fiction, and this person... It was like a sort of mystery, like mafia story. It was great. But they were like, okay, look, some of the trigger warnings or content warnings are going to spoil what's in this chapter. And so they had like a link down to their content list where it was like, here are some like general warnings for the whole story. If you want individual chapter warnings, go here and read them. And if you don't, if you feel like you're going to be okay, make that choice. And I really, I wish I could do that with my books, where I was like, here, click through for more. And we um, can't. There's actually, so, fun fact, um, you actually can. Uh, oh. You, so, um, the formatter that I've been using through draft to digital um, they're really, really awesome, because what they'll do is they'll compile a chapter list based on the pages that they come up with in their little, you know, program that does their thing. And you can actually, at the very end, as long as it's, like, centered as a chapter heading, you can actually, like, make a whole, like, section. Because, like, you know, at the end there's usually, like, acknowledgments and those sorts of things. And the way their compiler works is it'll add those as chapters, as clickable chapters in your ebook. Wonderful. So check it out because you could actually do like chapter one, two, three, yada, 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 yada. And then at the very end of the chapter list, you could do like chapter content warnings or whatever. And it could be a clickable link for people who might want those sorts of things. Huh. Yeah. I love that. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's helpful information to have if nothing else. Um, I'm like, I'm not a fan of draft to digitals company policy because they're kind of prudish. They're not a fan of erotica. Um, but they've got some really good tools <laughs> that are very helpful for us as authors. Yeah. Oh, it's the erotica awful life where it's just like, well, I want, I want, there's so much I want to write and I'm just like, I'm not going to write it because I don't want Amazon to notice me and ban me. I um, had to put a pause on my paperbacks because that happened. Uh, one of my, my paperback for captive was um, blocked because of content, which I'm not surprised. Honestly, it was the one book I was always kind of surprised got by their filters because mm. it's straight non-con. It's a kidnapping romance, like all of that stuff. There's no like even illusion of consent until like more than halfway through. And um, so I wasn't surprised about it. I was a little bummed. Um, but I'm like, I'm just going to take a break because I don't want Amazon paying attention to me. Because yeah. I write some really questionable stuff based on their guidelines sometimes. Yeah. It's... <sighs> the tropes are fun. The tropes are fine. But yeah, when it comes to like the actual kinks and sexiness and the fact that the fiction you write is not reality. It's it can be frustrating. I recently yeah. ran into that on Kobo as well. Um, they they go through your when I when I was uploading to Kobo, eight of my books got through just fine, and then four of them 
uh, were flagged for unclear consent. Uh, in, yeah. in, the description, in the description, apparently, the state of consent was unclear. I'm like, that's really bizarre. Because, like, especially, like, one of them was captive. And again, like, that's fine. I understand that's straight non-con, um, questionable for retailers. The other three, I was like, really? That's, oh, okay. So what I ended up doing was just in the content warning, I wrote, all characters are of age and mm. full consenting. And that was like, that was it. That was the only change they wanted. And they passed it through their little bot with no um, muster. And honestly, I might start including that just as like safety precaution because 90% of my books are reluctantly consensual. You could like dubious if you squint, but reluctantly consensual. Um, so we'll see. Well, it's something I'm considering. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk about kinks as tropes if we want to, but we're already at a really long episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us about our the tropes we love. This was a really fun conversation, and I loved it. Yes, like, ah, uh, man, now I want to I wanna go read Tropey Romance because it's so fun. It makes us so happy. It's oh, so happy. good. Reading shouldn't make you sad. Like, sometimes you should, like, like if you want to read something that's, like, husband is outlining a horror novel to write with a friend, and I helped him out because these two have squirrel brains and can't focus for the life of them. I'm like, guys, back on track. Come on. <laughs> what happens next? And they're like, oh, yeah. After going on a 10-minute tangent about, like, political TikTok or something. Um and like it's sad. It's got a lot of really heavy themes, but the end and the ending is kind of nihilistic mm-hmm. and like not really super positive, but at the same time it's very satisfying. And like if nothing, I think that your ending and your book should be at least satisfying. But yeah. I I don't think satisfying books- doesn't always mean I, happy, you know? I don't think books should make you sad. I think sometimes I need to read things that are sad and just, like, cry my eyes out a little bit. I think sometimes. But they always have, like, satisfying endings. And you walk away, you don't feel, like, empty, you know? No. That And that's kind of the feeling that I think that fiction, in general, you know, and that obviously this is just my one little opinion from one little person on this planet. I don't think that fiction, media, should leave you empty and unsatisfied Mm -hmm. if nothing even if like it's tragic and sad it should still leave you feeling satisfied even if it's not like a quote-unquote happy ending Mm -hmm. but i want my happy endings in romance i'm sorry i'm one of those people i don't i don't like stories with tragic endings if i walk into a romance and you give me a tragic ending i'm gonna be mad (laughs) That, that is that is fair yeah so next time Maybe this will be a time for an unhappy ending rant. Um, we'll be <laughs> yeah, talking we'll, about tropes we hate, which I think we'll is going to also be a fun conversation. It's going to be a good time. I honestly, I'm going to need to do some research because I, the only trope I can think that I genuinely don't like is the miscommunication trope. And I already talked about that, but I'll, I'm sure I'll talk about it more. Um, this might be a you episode, Evelyn. Well, I, I have so many have rants. Me. You know I have, you know I have rants. <laughs> you have feelings about tropes. Uh, the ones that you don't like and we do have a very interesting conversation about um the convention of the happily ever after in romance and how it relates to erotica but we will talk about that next time 
Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. As always, links to our books, our blogs, etc. are in the description. Uh, thank you for everyone who leaves reviews. I recently found one from last September on Apple Books or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, podcasts. Uh, that was just so delightful. Made us both really happy. Um, so we love those. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have any thoughts, send us an email. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.